Thanks to Blinkist for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Fit more listening and reading into your life with key takeaways from the best nonfiction books. Get a free seven-day trial at Blinkist.com slash AppleBits. That's Blinkist.com slash AppleBits with a Z. All right, let's get to the show. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here. You know the drill. Let's say it together. Your host with the most. How many of you all actually said it? Anyone? Okay, fine. Anyways, this show is all about you all. This is episode 67, I believe. And look, this show is all about you all. We killed the phone line. So in order for you to call and drop your opinions, your questions, your knowledge, your good apples, your bad apples, send us a voice memo at applebitsshow at gmail.com. Now, this week we had two really big stories that drove what was happening inside the world of Apple. Coming to you directly from my buddy, Mark Gurman from Bloomberg. He's been a past guest on the show. So what I want to do this week is just talk to him about everything. And I mean everything that we can expect to see with all the nuggets he dropped from WWDC 2019, which is coming up on June the 3rd. And then we also talked about another story about how Apple's retail stores are kind of changing and have lost their luster over the years. So let's check it out. All right, everybody, Mark Gurman here in the house as promised. And I told you really the the big scoops of this week, really not even, I won't even call them scoops, Mark. I'm going to call them uh, bombs. We're going to call you, the, what, do we call them Gur bombs or, you know what? Woj has the Woj bombs in the NBA. What are we going to call your stories? <laughs> you can call them whatever you want. <laughs> Just doing my thing. And we're going to call it the Mark Drop instead of the Mic Drop. I'm going to call them the Mark Drop. The Mark Drop. I like that one. You like that? You know. Nothing no. new, just just the usual. So thanks as always, you know, for coming on the show and being a part of it. Always appreciate it so much, man. You got it. Love your podcast. Thanks, bro. So um, we're going to jump into this. Uh, in case those of you who haven't checked it out, uh, there's some great stories on Bloomberg, specifically really the lead one that has set the tone for this week um, from Mark at Bloomberg. It was titled, Apple to Reveal New Homegrown Apps Software Features at WWDC. And the big thing about this is this is a treasure chest of very specific details from iOS 13, Mac OS 10.15, and watchOS 6. So where do you want to start, Mark? I mean, do you want to talk about overall kind of what the general idea or vision of Apple is taking to approach this year's WWDC? Sure. I mean, I think it's similar to what they've been doing in most years, right? They're trying to make the Apple Watch more independent by bringing over more apps from the iPhone and the iPad. The Mac is getting a lot of features that iOS got in years prior, and iOS is getting you know minor enhancements across the system. This isn't like an iOS 7 year, but I'm sure they'll find some way to spin it as the biggest iOS software update ever. <laughs> it but, is. <laughs> uh, well, from, from the look of things, it's not a, it's not a huge upgrade, uh, in, in my humble opinion. No, I think uh, you're absolutely but, right. Yeah, but I think there's a lot of things that people have been requesting and asking for, things that are going to make people excited. But is this going to you know, be a huge leap? No. And I was watching Google I.O. the other day. Other than the assistant stuff, which was amazing, it was really nothing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to say that you know Apple's behind or anything. I think it's just the reality. A, a part of the article, and you actually dropped the scoop long before um, it ever happened, was last year iOS 12 ended up becoming more bugs and fixes. And I, I recall you had reported how 
they're going to hold off and make sure they get it cleaned up because of all the complaints from 11. And a lot of these features coming to 13 were kind of features that we were expecting to originally see in 12. Is that pretty much still true from what you found? Yes, uh, but you know there was indications last year that as part of iOS 12, there was going to be a new iPhone home screen, uh, major changes to the iPad home screen. Uh, but what it, from the looks of things, it's gonna. It sounds like the iPad is where the home screen love is going to get, and that's going to be more to do with the new multitasking features. I don't anticipate a uh, overhaul to the iPhone home screen, which could be disappointing to some people. But I think that's going to be for another year, perhaps next year, because what they did last year was they instead of sticking to this annual uh, release cycle, they are working on the next two years of iOS versions concurrently. And, you know, bringing new features back and forth to what they, they deem to be more most stable. Uh, so they're already well underway and working on iOS 14 as well. So that might be when we get that new iPhone home screen in 2020 to go along with this big iPhone revamp that they're planning for next year as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people have been kind of frustrated with this kind of long tail game they're playing. But to your point, iPhone 2020 most likely 5G, most likely they're pushed to AR. They bring a new iOS with a clean new look and maybe some new design elements and then new features in it. That That's where you start saying, okay, this finally people are going to, perception-wise, it's like they finally made the jump for something new, right? Yeah, I believe that's the plan. Uh, I think we talked about this years ago, maybe, uh, on your previous podcast about how Apple was transitioning from doing big iPhone upgrades every other year to every three years, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look, the iPhone 10 came out in 2017, the iPhone 10s 2018. We're basically getting another S update this year for 2019. So it'll be this next one, uh, you know, three generations after the iPhone 10 where you're getting that really big upgrade. Yeah, now, Mark, there are a ton of details and I don't want to bore you with saying all of them, but I'm going to kind of go down a few of the ones that stand out and you can kind of jump in here. Everyone's been talking about dark mode forever. Here's here's my take. I think we do need a dark mode. Everyone wants a dark mode. But I tend to find dark mode gets more hype than it deserves. Meaning once you use it, you're like, this is nice. But you almost hear people like champing around this rah-rah. Like, we've got to get dark mode. And then at the same time, I feel once you have it, you're like, okay, it, it helps. It's cool. But you're not blown away by it. Yeah, I don't get it to be honest with you. I've been trying to use <laughs> I've been trying to use it lately on Mac OS and in my mind it's horrible and hurts my eyes. Uh, I'm sure there's some people who like it. It's good they're going to have that option there. I hope it'll be slicker on iOS than it is on Mac OS. You know, sometimes you look at two different windows next to each other, you can't tell which window is what. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to read. It's not entirely uh consistent. It's a little buggy. Uh but otherwise I just don't really like the look of it. Some people think it's really cool. I I don't see how people use it. I think it is cool for the novelty, but unless you're someone who's basically staying in a single app, let's say like editing video on late nights, I can see how that's advantageous, but it has this cool like cool factor, but on a day-to-day use, I think most people are going to be like, eh, okay, whatever. And then they just basically been hyping themselves for three years or so just for a eh. It's too dark, man. Like, there's a reason why all these operating systems had light, <laughs> white, and blue, and silver UI elements. There's a lot of user testing over decades that have gone into Windows and Linux and Mac OS, basically every software platform ever, that have shown why user interface elements look a certain way, right? It is easier on the eyes, at least for me. Uh, but of course, it is a cool feature for some people, right? Sometimes it's useful. It gives that little pro look to it. Uh, just for me, it's just too much. 
Yeah, so sorry everybody listening. We're not here to crush your dreams or not, but dark mode um, expected to come in iOS. I also want to talk about the sw- the swipe keyboard that you talked about. Um, can you kind of expand on this new keyboard option that they're doing? Yeah, so this is something that they're testing. I'm not 100% sure if it's going to release to end consumers, but it is definitely something that they're testing. And it's basically like you get on Android or Gboard or on SwiftKey or tons of other apps. There used to be an app by Nuance that did this. So instead of typing letter by letter, you take your finger and you swipe over the letters to form a word. So I can, you know, swipe over the B to the R to the I to the A to the N and swoop gesture, and then they'll type out Brian. Yeah, I th- I think it's that's one of those things that I definitely thought was really cool and useful, but I don't know if I don't know I don't know if I'll use it on an everyday basis because sometimes I'm so used to just like tacking away. But like you said, right. it's not guaranteed yet that it's coming, but they are testing it. It's one of those other things, just like dark mode. Like it's a cool novelty, but is it a practical feature mm-hmm. for most users? Will most people use it? No. Yeah. Also, a uh, revamped health app, better organization for your activities. Um, also, this section called hearing health. Uh, it's really going to try and, I guess, from what you report, detect how loud you play your headphones? Yeah, so there's going to be a big push on uh, hearing health this year, especially with deeper integration of hearing aids, both into watchOS and iOS, and I imagine macOS as well. And so this will be a new panel, just like you get your BMI, your weight, your blood sugar, and whatnot, how loud you're playing audio on your headphones, what the volume levels are both within your headphones and external noises. So using the microphone on the iPhone uh, to be able to determine how loud you are in an environment, like a, you know, a decibel meter in some respect. I think that's interesting because in a way it might, I know like Apple, when they do something like that, that people aren't thinking about, I feel like they're going to have this whole story around like the hearing health and how they're, you know, no one's doing this really, but we want to bring this to you. I can just imagine just kind of the marketing spin they kind of put around that. And I think it's nice, but it's something that, for my entire life, I've never thought of just because we listen to music as loud as we want to. And we've never thought about the, I guess, health ramifications of it. Right. No, I completely agree with you. And I think it's a little, a little sneak peek at something they're going towards, right? I think the AirPods are going to see a big, mm. you know, evolution for many generations, maybe become a complete standalone device on their own for quick Siri access or being able to stream over cellular from Apple Music. Of course, that's something that's probably five years away, minimum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and how they play into the whole AR initiative. But hearing, ears, something they're focusing on. Um, also kind of a staple of what we've seen with Apple is really adopting popular third-party apps and kind of integrating it into their OS. And for the most part, I feel like we've seen once it's there, if you haven't heard about them, which most people haven't, people just end up not even searching for these third-party apps. So you have one. This may not apply to us specifically, but for menstrual cycle tracking, they're going to incorporate that into health. But also talking about the third-party app that allows you to use your iPad as an external or second screen to your Mac. That, that's been a big thing for Duet and Luna uh, display. They're, they're really gonna, is this something that, from what you found, that they're actually going to come out with for this year, or is it still in testing? No, this is something that's going to happen. Um, this is like a Wacom tablet using the iPad and the Apple Pencil. It, it makes a lot of sense. They're mm-hmm. trying to glue all these devices together, so you're going to want to buy all of them. And then if, you know, let's say Google comes out with a really, really cool tablet, you're going to be like, why? Why should I get this Google tablet when my iPad is so integrated into my Mac? I go to Google for a tablet, then I'm going to have to go to Google to buy their, you know, their laptop too. And then I'll have to switch their phone. And making such a switch is going to be so expensive and such a pain in the you-know-what that I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and that's basically what Apple is trying to create. 
Yeah. Now, I do want people to go and check out your Bloomberg article. So we're not going to hit on every single bullet point because, again, this is very detailed. But I did want to hit on a couple more things, at least from the iOS side. The yeah. whole the whole Find My Friends and Find My iPhone app that uh, reportedly they're going to bundle together and kind of create their own Find My whatever, Find My Life app. And then potentially come out with this tile product for um, tracking your items or an iPhone tracking dongle. Can you kind of expand on what you've found and heard with that? Yeah, so the whole thing is really social networking. There's going to be two tabs, essentially. There's going to be one for your devices and then one for your friends and family. And you can imagine basically just merging Find My iPhone and Find My Friends together. Uh, It's probably about time because Mm -hmm. the Find My iPhone app is still called Find My iPhone, even though it works with your AirPods. (laughs) your iPad, your Mac, and, you know, God knows what else. So it's about time for them to, you know, to make a little bit of a strategy shift there, add a little social networkiness to it too. And to my point about locking people into the ecosystem so it's harder to leave, Mm -hmm. this, you know, this supposed tile competitor is another part of that. Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's one of those things that I would would not have thought of them jumping into that kind of tracker tile market. But all of a sudden, when I hear them saying they're going to bundle this app together, and let's say they, okay, I don't know what the Apple price is going to be, but let's say they sell these dongles for like 20, 25 bucks. I think people, there's still a lot of people that aren't really super aware with this about at least the general consumer. And I think they would jump on board with something like this. Like, hey, we're going to create a system so you never, quote unquote, never lose your iPhone again. Think about it this way. What if instead of paying a certain price for those tiles, the tiles are free. They come in the mail. And then you pay, I don't know, $10 a month uh, to subscribe to the Apple Fine service that can apply to any of your products and devices. Are you saying that's what they're doing or you're just saying or you're just throwing that out there? Just throwing it out there. <laughs> All right. Is there any other um, other big things, at least from iOS 13, that stuck out in your mind? The other small one that I that I like here is the fact that even though it's a very incremental upgrade and they still have a whole lot of work to do with the HomePod. Um, you're reporting that they're going to finally bring a multi-user mode to detect different voices in the household? Exactly. That's uh, that's pretty much what the new feature is. And then also right now, you can connect HomeKit-enabled security cameras to the Home app on your iPhone, iPad, Mac, etc. But what you can't do is view past recordings. So you can get a live mm-hmm. feed which is nice, but it's kind of useless if you can't go back and see what Brian did to your living room an hour earlier. So now you'll be able to do that. Very cool. All right, so I'm going to kind of put that on a cap on iOS 13. I think the one that I was most excited about, and I I tend to think that the most excitement around any Apple product right now still has to be the Apple Watch because I just think this is the one where they continue to kind of, let's use the word, surprise and delight me as someone who's just really been completely behind what they're doing with the Apple Watch Series 4 and now seeing some of these things that they're doing with Apple, uh, sorry, with Watch OS 6. Uh, Bringing the App Store to the Apple Watch, let's talk about that and really just how this is clearly the first step of driving the Apple Watch to be completely independent from the phone eventually, right? Yeah, man, I might need to, you know, try one of those myself, get an Apple Watch. Right now, I don't really use one, but Um, Some of the changes they're adding are pretty interesting. So basically right now, if you're an Apple Watch user, you know that you access the App Store for the Apple Watch, which, by the way, is kind of a mess. Yeah, it is. uh, From from the companion app on the watch or on the phone. Sorry. Now it's going to move to an app 
on the watch itself. And the way it'll work, it's going to be like a swipe-heavy interface. You'll be able to swipe through like the top charts, recommended applications. So they're making it uh, interesting for viewing on such a small screen. Is What has stopped you from getting an Apple Watch personally? I'm just curious. Yeah, you know, I don't really have a good reason for you. Um, yeah, I don't have a good reason for you. I, I should get one. Well it's, well, it's interesting, though, because, see, when the first few Apple Apple Watch models came out, yeah, I got the first one for review. I didn't even get the second one because I'm like, ah, nothing's changed that much. But I think for me, it's it does come down to more of a use case because I keep on talking about it on the show. Some people ask me, why is it so great? And then for me, it's like I got the LTE version specifically because I'm active and I work out some. So when I go on hikes or on runs with the gym, I, l- I love the fact that I don't need my phone with me at all and I can actually just still stay connected without feeling like I'm connected. And that's kind of that that makes a difference. But now more and more I'm starting to before I used to hate it. I've just limited the notifications I get on it. And it's become really useful for me. Yeah, to be honest, I found the thing sort of a pain. So I had the first generation. Uh, and I didn't actually buy a uh, a new Apple Watch after the first generation. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. The, the first one was so buggy, so slow, yeah, yeah. apps were impossible to use. It was pretty much worthless from a third-party app perspective. The first-party apps weren't very good. The interface wasn't great. And, you know, after that, I really didn't want to buy a new one. I mm-hmm. tried out the LT one for some time. I thought that was really novel functionality, but I found I was carrying my phone around anyways. And the software and the hardware, I don't think really started getting good until the Series 4 watch yep. and watch OS 5 yep. last year. And the model I wanted really didn't come into stock until you know January, December timeframe. And so I realized by the time it was January, the Apple Watch Series 5 is already coming you know, later <laughs> this year. I might as well wait so I don't have to spend all the money on that watch yeah, twice. Yeah. Um, so when the new Apple Watch comes out, uh, yeah, I'll definitely get one of those. Yeah, some of the other cool things that um, they're adding, again, kind of following the trend of Apple, kind of jumping on board and really hurting these third-party app companies that have developed this. They're, it looks like they're going to be doing a calculator app finally, which is just ridiculous that they haven't had one on the Apple Watch. I'm just like, what are y'all doing? Um, yeah. <laughs> like, Even watches in the 1990s had calculators. That's what I'm saying. Casio, Casio has been killing them in that area. They've been crushing them. Uh, oh yeah. You also talked about health-related apps. One that I thought is really useful for people: um, Dose app for pill reminders. I think that's actually like it may not affect me, but I could totally see how people that have to track that need that. Another cycles app to track their menstrual cycles. And then what I love more complications. I think more complications has always been better because they have these watch faces that I can basically throw eight pieces of information on it if I want to, and I actually use it. So so I love that as well. Yeah, the new complications, they're not too many. There's the Rain one. Um, what, what are the other ones I list? There's I think you Rain. said uh, audiobook status. Because Oh, sorry, I forgot to talk about uh, listening to audiobooks on the Apple Watch. Yeah, yeah. voice memos. Those, those are those ones. Um, there's a lot of new watch faces, which look really cool. There's this new watch face called Infograph Subdial, which is basically a better version of the Infograph watch face they added to the Series 4 last year, where you get even bigger chunks of information. So you'll oh, be able to cool. get like three different ones i believe it was one with stocks you can put calendar you can put weather it's a really nice looking one the california watch face is a watch face that looks like a standard one but it mixes normal uh, arabic numbers with uh, roman numerals Uh, you can set the color Um, then there's more xl watch faces which look cool Uh, all sorts of stuff there there's a sundial watch face which is a play on the solar face called solar analog 
Um, and then another thing is, is that right now on the Apple Watch, some of the complications are limited to only certain watch faces. So, for mm. instance, you you can't get, you know, maybe the wind uh, complication on all the faces. So they're going to be adding more complications that are currently on certain watch faces to some of the other watch faces as well. Yeah, that that when it first came out, that actually drove me crazy because it was at the time when they came out with these new watch faces with the uh, watch OS five. Although I loved watch OS five. Literally, you couldn't even put on like the music uh, complication or the messages complication on some watch faces. I'm like, these are fundamental, like actual apps that I use. But, you know, they started mm-hmm. addressing that. So it was a little cray cray. But OK, so that's watch OS six um, Mac OS 10.15. Do you know what they're codenaming yet or you're, you're not going to reveal that yet? The code name for Mac OS 10.15 Um or the public have, name that they're going to do right oh, right the now. Public it's name. Yeah, I, I know what it is, but I'm not going <laughs> to. Uh, how about this? Know. You don't have to tell me. Is it still California related? Yes or no? Of course. Okay. That's all I needed. I know it's going to yeah. be a uh, uh, Mac OS Lakerland. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And then they'll have you. a picture of Jeannie Buss and Rob Palinka as the wallpaper. It'll be great. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Norman is a huge Lakers fan. We go at it on Twitter all the time. <laughs> <laughs> in good fun in good fun oh it cracks oh, yeah. me up um so mac os 10.15 this is kind of about the bigger picture of what apple is doing in bringing ipad apps to the mac but eventually iphone ipad um and mac apps all together as one can you kind of talk to the audience um about marzipan and kind of their whole develop developers kind of plan moving forward so Apple's eventual goal is to have one type of application for all of apple's devices that will probably take another one, two, or three years. For now, what you're going to be able to do as a developer is duplicate an iPad app to also run on the Mac. So you'll mm-hmm. sell a version of your iPad app for the Mac and a version of your iPad app for the iPad. Uh, and so it's going to work just like an iPad app. If you use the home, Apple News, voice memos, or stock apps on Mac OS uh, Mojave, they're not very good, to be quite honest with you, but that's how the iPad apps for third-party developers will work on the Mac starting with macOS 10.15 later this year. Nice. Um so with macOS 10.15 also the other thing is like they're there looks like they're really splitting up iTunes, right? Like they're finally kind of breaking it up into separate apps. So you're going to get a podcast app which you could be able to listen to, you know, the Brian Tong podcast. Oh, on. yeah. And that will be a iPad app running on the Mac. Then there's going to be a stripped down version of iTunes renamed to Apple Music. Mm. and that's going to be a standard Mac app like iTunes is today. There will be the Apple TV app launching, the new versions launching on the Apple TV this month and iOS this month. That will be available on the Mac as well as part of 10.15. That's also a standard Mac app. Um, yeah, I think those are the changes on in terms of uh, new applications. Oh, there's a revamped Reminders app, which looks pretty slick on uh, on the iPad as well for iOS 13. That's coming to the Mac as part of 10.15 and also some iOS features like screen time. Oh, yeah. Which I think some people have been asking for. There's already a little parental control uh, features on the Mac, particularly in Safari and what websites you can view. But obviously screen time is more comprehensive and baked uh, at a deeper level into the system. And also messages will finally get uh, some (laughs) iOS love like effects and stickers. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. <laughs> it's gonna that's a game changer for me. It did do you think this is just for fun speculation? Do you think Apple is sick and tired of people 
taking a crap on iTunes. They're like, you know, what? we're just going to break it up already and people can just get what they want. Because I feel like iTunes has been hammered for like the past five to seven years, like outright like like hate for iTunes. I mean, I just don't understand why it's called iTunes, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. It's ridiculous. Nobody uses iTunes for that anymore. And if they do, it's for, you know, it's only a small part of the overall usage of that application. It makes sense to have some consistency across the, uh, the OS. All right, we will return to our conversation with Mark. But before we do that, you may think that you don't have the time to read a book or to develop yourself. Well, the Blinkist app helps solve this problem. Blinkist is the only app that takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down so you can read or listen to 15-minute segments. Blinkist is for busy people who want to get the main points of the books quickly without reading the entire book. 8 million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from so many nonfiction topics, including self-help, business, health, and history. Now, I've read and listened to many of these books, and I just want to highly recommend you check out two of them. One of them, Eat, Move, Sleep. It gives you applicable tips for improving your health and well-being in this constant go-go world. And another book, Becoming by Michelle Obama, and just an inspiring memoir from the former first lady of the United States. So, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash AppleBits to start your free seven-day trial. I checked out the site, and I like it because you can really get all the important stuff I need from a book in 15 minutes. So, when I'm in traffic here in L.A., yeah, it helps me out to really fast-track myself to be more informed and inspired. So, that's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash AppleBits to start your free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist.com slash AppleBits. All right, let's get back to our conversation with Marky Mark. So, Mark, another story that was intriguing to me, um, specifically for people that aren't familiar, is I worked at, I guess you call it the second Apple retail store that ever opened. The first one was in Tyson's Corner, but the second one was Palo Alto. It was Steve Jobs's store that he would come into and basically stand around and check it out and kind of see how things were flowing. He would talk to us. He would buy things. I've talked about some of kind of the random stories that have happened um, and encounters with me and SJ from that time. But you put wait, out a... Wait, I haven't, I haven't heard about these. There, I mean, I have told them, but they're... Okay, I'll just give you the bullet points and we can... Because I have talked in depth about one of the stories, but the quick... Tell, tell us the best story. Tell us the best story. Okay, I think I've told it maybe three or four months ago, but I will tell it again. The best fun okay. short story is that I was working at the register and a lot of times people kind of freeze when SJ comes up to the register because it's his store and people will be like, um, am I supposed to charge you for this or do I give you an Apple employee discount or do I just give this to you for free? What do I do? And SJ always says, oh, you know, just just charge me normally and people like nervous, like literally people, every time you dealt with SJ, most of our employees were like freaking tripping out because you have to remember also when you rewind back in time sj's status and apple's status was literally peak apple right i mean this is at the height of their powers it was as the iphone was coming out it was as the ipad was coming out they were basically the ipod was still relevant they were rocking on all cylinders okay so the best story is that we're ringing out a lady at the front counter this is back in the day when you could actually walk up to a counter and just buy something and we'll talk about that in a second but Mm -hmm. What happened is she's she's there, and then st- uh, SJ is standing right next to her. He's ringing something out, and this lady says to him, she's like, um, excuse me, you look really familiar. Do you work for Apple? And we're like, 
oh my god like inside i'm like oh my gosh don't do this lady don't do this like this is gonna be just embarrassing and as she turns to her like kind of really slowly and has this little like snide smile on his face he's like yeah uh the mac division and she just is like oh okay okay and so she just takes it sj rings out walks away leaves the store and i say that lady you know who that was right and she's like no i don't and i said that was steve jobs and she said what and i'm like yeah and she's like oh my gosh i work at hr for apple what (laughs) the lady was she she couldn't put it together she freaking didn't even know. Good thing she didn't tell SJ she worked at HR. You know what happens. People it, get out of context or, or yeah. intimidated, you know, but that is a good story. Out of yeah. context. Yeah. I mean, I have another good story, but it's kind of more, it's too long tailed. So I'll save that for you for another time. But um, okay. yeah, that was, that was my fun. Like just shaking your head. You're like, don't do that. Don't do it. Oh, you did it. Okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so we're talking about Apple retail. And um, this is a great article you put out about kind of the, how the Apple store has lost its luster. You put this out the same week as you drop the other Mark drop about um, WWDC 2019. I've worked for Apple. I saw how they started and I saw how they changed. And then I left the store, obviously. And I had the awesome opportunity to start covering tech. You know, one of the things that I love to do. I remember the days where, quite honestly, when Apple first started retail, it was all about the customer. Literally, it was all about the customer. It was attention was a single customer coming in was treated like you had like white glove service you had a one-on-one person to deal with you the genus bar was giving evian water bottles to customers for free when they came there evian water okay there was a little cooler we'd always give it to them and it was all about it was all about service as it changed from year one to about let's say year three it started becoming less about the Apple serving kind of the Apple community and showing them how good it was and really taking care of them to now being about metrics. It was about dot ma- how many times are you attaching Apple Care and dot Mac to your computer sale? How many accessories are you selling? And it evolved from like, let's take care of the customer to like now, okay, attach rates, you know, typical retail stuff that you deal with at every retail store. So that's where you started to shift. And then now we had this third shift specifically that you reported about, and maybe it was under the philosophy and kind of how Angela Arntz saw how to run an Apple store, but I kind of wanted to hear your overall take and what you found in this story about how Apple had evolved, really evolved from the store side and, as you say, lost its luster. Yeah, you know, I just find and, you know, we found in our reporting is that, you know, some people just don't like going to the Apple store anymore. It's sort of a pain, right? Agreed, 100%. I mean, it's just like there's some fundamental things that they need to go back to doing. The Genius Bar was a genius idea. The fact that they got rid of the Genius Bar, I think, shows that they were trying to do too much and steering away from a vision that was successful, right? They always talk about how we don't want to make change for the sake of change, but I'm telling you, removing the Genius Bar was sake for the, you know, it was change for the sake of change, and mm-hmm. I think that was a a, a poor decision uh, in some respects. I think they could mix the vision that they have now versus the vision they had then, but there needs to have been some middle ground, some gray area. Uh, of mixing the old and the new respect for the genius bar mm-hmm. your story about the cash register i mean there's a reason that stores retail stores have cash registers mm-hmm. right and a cash register doesn't mean you're taking cash necessarily it means you have a standard place to pick up a product and go check out and leave right retail stores didn't just come up with this type of stuff for the sake of it 
it's basic retail 101. It's effective. They need to move back to that, right? Um, there's some other things, customer service, uh, just the overall people not being at the front of the store, greeting, people not knowing which employees to go up to. Uh, the Apple store has been a mess in, in, recent, uh, in recent years. It's become more of a museum rather than a place that people go to pick up products, pay for them and leave and get customer service. Well, I totally agree because back in the day when we were, when I was working at Apple retail, even the store, it was kind of clearly laid out and yes, it's going to evolve, but it was like music, uh, photos and movies. It was laptops. It was music, uh, music players. They, they were kind of categorized. And what we had done is they had basically looked at the staff and was like, okay, what are, you, what are your strengths and what are your specialties? What do you do a lot? And then they would put us in those sections. So I was always in like photo and video because I did photo editing a lot and things like that. And so when people would come in, we would talk to them and show them the software and maybe show them a couple tricks and things like that. But now, I mean, specifically just me as a customer, I'll go into a store and you a there's been times where I've had to ask two or three people, who can I get to buy something, right? You just pull something off the shelf and then you might talk to one person who's wearing the same exact shirt as everyone else and they just can't ring you out and they say, oh, go over, wait over there or there's a person coming. I, just to buy something, I would say majority of time, you can't just pick up something and leave and buy it. You have to wait and kind of get diverted to someone to do that. Even a ser- from a service standpoint, it was... You waited in like this, you had to go talk to someone who has an iPad that deals with the queue and then they kind of tell you to go somewhere else instead of just basically sign in at the Genius Bar and wait your turn. Like it used to be a lot more simplified. And I know they have larger crowds and this whole idea of like, we don't want physical lines to exist, but there's not even a standard way to figure out someone who literally even used to work at the store or someone who's walking the store. I think about my mom, how is she going to figure this stuff out? And she's not. Yeah, I, I don't see much engagement happening at stores either. Um, I think they, you know, they've spread a lot over a lot of places. So obviously, there's going to be a little dilution in terms of what's happening here. But you know, it's not the Apple that I knew. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm, uh, you know, for the record, because I talk to plenty of the retailers. Uh, employees just because I like to talk shop when I'm over there. And, you know, it's not their fault. It's really more of the systems in place and how, you know, I think Angela Arntz, because she came from a fashion world, she really kind of wanted to, it felt like to me that she wanted to shape Apple to be this like, okay, this lifestyle and this brand. And I think it always was, but you didn't need to change the store to still capture that. You know, I, I think that that was what was the standard ways to run a retail store. They, they almost over, they were overthinking it to be like, we have to be different. We have to do this differently. And we have to come off more and more like a lifestyle instead of like, let's just sell products and teach people about them at the same time and just make it easy for people to get in and out. Like, it's not like they're serving coffee in an Apple store. So it's not like I'm going to hang out there. I agree with you. It was a bit of a pointless shift and the whole get in line online thing sort of backfired. Oh bit. my gosh, that's, that's crazy. You know, Apple's biggest marketing tool, or not biggest, one of the biggest marketing tools was having hundreds of people line up for days in front of stores mm-hmm. in order to, you know, drum up press for their products. I'm telling you, those executives there, they loved that. Mm-hmm. That was the greatest <laughs> thing. Yeah, it was the greatest thing ever. And that just went away. And I think what inspired that was the Apple Watch production snafus being so terrible that they couldn't get them into stores for mm-hmm. like the first six months That's of right. a proper quantity. So they really had no other option and they just spread that to every other product. So I think that may not really have been her fault necessarily, but it was just a necessary 
change the reality based on all their supply chain issues. Yeah, I think you make a great point. Like it's not, you know, this is we're not laying this 100% at the feet of Angela Arns, but the whole go online to book a genius bar appointment. I remember when you used to be able to walk in, which makes sense, right? Walk in, you get in. And then instead now, if you don't book it ahead of time, most of these stores now, because of the reservation system, if you walk into an Apple store and say, I need help, they might be like, go online and figure it out. There may not be an appointment open until two or three more days later. And yep. that's that's what I was like, dang. That you know, For the general customer, how many people went in there thinking I should be able to get this fixed at least same day and had to leave and were completely left out in the dark? Let's say my phone drops. God forbid. Screen cracks, <laughs> becomes unusable. You what? You think I can go five days without having my phone replaced? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure you can. <laughs> yeah, not me. <laughs> I not know, me. I know. So, were there any other findings from your story about was was this kind of a comprehensive overall tone of not not only just the customer experience, but also you kind of allude to the fact that hey, Apple obviously isn't selling as much phones. It's not its store's fault, but the fact that the stores have changed doesn't help its cause. Here's my take on Angela, to your point. I don't think she was fired or pushed out. Yeah. I think she wanted to leave, but I think they held the door for her. Mm-hmm. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, no, no, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, there is something had to happen after this iPhone sales fall, and someone's going to take the fall for it, and they sort of let her take the fall for it. Uh, not entirely surprising. Retail stores are Apple's forefront to selling to customers. A lot of the issues have to do with you know selling units in China, so... This is what happens. This is a, you know, trillion dollar company. There's not much room and time to mess around here. Yeah. So uh, how about this? Since we're talking about the Apple store, what is the number one? What is one thing that you would like them to see to to fix it? To help fix yeah, the I mean, issue? I think it's so simple to bring back the genius bar of, of, of old and, uh, you know, being able to pick up a product and check out and leave. Yeah, exactly. Those are, These two. are simple things. <laughs> I'm so in agreement with you. It's like so fundamental to retail, right? Yeah. Apple doesn't need to reinvent the wheel uh, for, you know, picking up stuff and buying them. Remember, you know, Apple's success is completely contingent on people buying their stuff. Yeah. Right. Just make it easy. And I think the other thing that is obviously always tied into conversations around Apple, at least today, is they need to make compelling products to get people to buy their products. I, I think that's why you've seen Apple watch Obviously, Apple Watch Series 4 has been their most successful Apple Watch, but they touted about its sales and about how like something like three out of every four smartwatches being purchased right now are Apple Watches. It's because it is an amazing product. And so that's that's where you kind of sometimes they when you hear these things or how they've lost their focus, it's like it always just comes down to products. That's all people at the end of the day really care about. The products is what makes people how make people feel a certain way about your brand. If you don't have a good product, it's not they're going to think your brand is lame. And we've seen that evolution kind of happen. Yeah, that's a whole other story, whether or not Apple's products are, uh, you know, up to par or as exciting as they've been in the past. Um, I'll tell you, the iPad Pro, the latest models, the 12.9 inch, I have one of those. The hardware on there is uh, that is one of the best people on on the market. Uh, the series four i haven't heard anyone say a bad thing about the series four hardware um the iphone 10s max i actually dropped mine and cracked the bottom of the screen the other day on concrete so not too happy about that i need to get that thing <laughs> replaced uh but uh otherwise you know it's fine hardware it wasn't a big leap over last year um 
yeah. So, you know, the hardware is fine. The, the issue really comes down to software. But unfortunately, I really don't think the software this year, especially on Siri, that thing's mm. a disaster. So I don't mm. think they're moving the needle on those things anytime soon. Yeah, we talked on. Yeah, we talked on about the show. You know, we've said it now. I'm I think I'm at year two where they need to blow Siri up and start over. It's not that easy to do. But I mean, when we just to kind of give a little broader scope of what's happening out there, when we when you saw the speed and accuracy now that they're bringing Google Assistant on board on device, I was like, that's a game changer right now. Now, we know that people, when you're in an ecosystem, you probably won't be able to experience that stuff. And you're like, ah, oh, whatever. I just know that Google Assistant is faster. But that was pretty amazing to see in action. Well, here's the counterpoint. Is Apple going to lose any customers because of that? No. Nope. Not, not going to make a difference at all. Um, but, you know, I think they've been covering up a lot of uh, a, a lot of things by putting, you know, lipstick on a pig with this whole privacy push recently mm-hmm. and some of their services and other initiatives to sort of cover up, intentional or not. I think maybe they'd be doing some of this stuff anyways, how far behind they really are in artificial intelligence. Uh, I think they need to do exactly what the Lakers need to do. They need to blow it up. <laughs> uh, wait, are you telling me that you're willing to trade LeBron right now? Oh, I mean, blow up the front office. I'm not trading LeBron for anything. He's, I still think he's the most valuable player in the league. Uh, when he gets going, he gets going. And I think it's going to be like that for another couple of years. But I watched Giannis. What was it last night? Man. Oh, baby. I've been, I've been on that Giannis coming. train. That Giannis train has been rolling for about two, three years now. But he's, he's ready to ascend. He's there. He's there. I mean, he's there already. But woo, that man is a beast. Yeah, he gets a, a three. He he go he can start shooting over thirty seven percent from the from the three point line. Uh, I think that is very scary. The thing with LeBron is that this guy seriously. I mean, you've seen his long range three pointers. Like he's evolved his game oh, yeah, to be absolutely. able to become a pure shooter. Uh, I'm very impressed with Kawhi Leonard as well. I'm hoping, hoping, hoping the Lakers somehow manage to <laughs> swing Kawhi away from going to the Clippers, fix their front office, hire a decent coach, and I think we'll be back in business. But I think that's really optimistic. So. And and that and that uh, NBA basketball chat with German and Tong is brought to you by both of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, a quick thing, hardware. Before we let you go, uh, hardware WWDC. Um, I hope that we see a preview of the Mac Pro. Do you think we, we actually will? We will. Yeah. So there'll be the new Mac Pro there. Then they'll launch it probably late in the second half of the year. It doesn't get delayed, um, similar to the iMac Pro and the Mac Pro from 2013. So they'll follow that. Other new hardware, so they need to do something about the 12-inch MacBook. Yeah. 12-inch MacBook is like a $100 price difference between the MacBook Air. I know, it doesn't I have know. Touch ID. It's slower. has a slightly smaller screen. I don't see why that thing exists. Yep. There, there is just so similar to the 13-inch MacBook Air, but also so behind mm-hmm. uh, in a matter of some key specs. So they need to figure out what they're going to do there. Are we going to, they recently refreshed, um, and I know, here's the thing, why you want to listen to Mark and follow his stuff, you can follow him on Twitter. Um, it's at Mark Gurman, right? On Twitter? That's me. Yeah. yeah because uh, like he's told me, he will be dropping some more Mark drops uh, next week. But what about the iMac Pro did not get any updates or speed runs. Do you know if we're going to see anything iMac Pro related at WWDC or not? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think this comes down to the whole Intel problem. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be, a, that's really an interesting backdrop. And Apple has started this little PR war against Intel, blaming them for slow mm-hmm. Mac sales last mm-hmm. quarter. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I I really don't believe that. And I, I'm hearing that there is some, there's new angles that people are talking about, new spin. I don't know if it's coming from Apple or not, blaming the Q2 
keyboard issues and keyboard controversy. Oh my gosh. Intel. I personally don't see the argument or the correlation there, but that is definitely something that's floating around right now. Wow. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've never, never thought of Intel when I thought of their crappy keyboards, but Hey, go, go at it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't see any, any fair connection. You know, Intel has problems, right? Their processors are behind their nanometer design is about two years behind mm-hmm, their mm-hmm. efficiency, power management, their ability to you know make chips and quantities large enough for Apple and other PC makers. You can make a very fair argument. They're doing a horrible job from those perspectives, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I can't, I can't find any logic to support that Apple is well-documented, multi-year problems with keyboards have <laughs> any connection to Intel. I think that's a pretty wise observation. I'm just saying. I just I just think so. So, yep. hey, Mark, uh, thank you so much, buddy, for being on the show and just being able to share your knowledge and all that great stuff that was on your articles from Bloomberg. And you know what? We'll catch you next time as usual. But thanks so much, bud. Appreciate it. All right. Have me again. Thanks. All right. Thanks again to Mark Gurman for coming out to the show. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, correction, it was actually episode 66. I said 67 in the beginning. I got ahead of myself. And remember, I want to hear from you all. Call in with a voice memo that you can email me directly from your phone, applebitsshow with a Z at gmail.com. Want to hear what you think about what we may or may not get at WWDC. What do you want to see? Are there any other big things you want to talk about? Call in, let's talk. And that's going to do it for this week. Thanks again so much for hanging out with us. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Be safe. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.